0: So in today's episode about deconstruction, part two, we talk about more specifically some of the ways that we look at the Bible and is there a way we can look at scripture and actually interpret scripture differently than how we were taught growing up. And when that happens, it's often really, really scary, right? But can we still believe in the Bible at all, or do we, quote, throw out the baby with the bathwater? So I think today's really helpful because I give a couple of examples of some podcasts and some authors who have helped me along my deconstruction journey. And we are back talking about deconstruction, part two of our deconstruction series. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and I don't know how many parts we're gonna have. Maybe just <laughs> two. But this 15. is uh, no. You know what? We're mm-hmm. gonna be now that the conversation is here, and mm. we are, are we are embracing it and we're entertaining it. I look forward to a lot more. I mean, this is just such a long conversation.
1: Well, I love that we're creating an atmosphere where people know they can come talk about it. So yeah. it's just like yes, when you were talking about religion and stuff. Do we want to create an atmosphere where it's safe to talk about? And yes. I think about family systems. You know, you're in mm-hmm. mesh families mm-hmm. where maybe there's a whole lot of, mm-hmm. of rules about it. And so, yeah, you belong, but you can't be an mm-hmm. individual, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or yeah. maybe it's a family that um, is really rigid right yeah. and so you have your independence and all these things but you don't feel like you belong so yeah. where what are we going to be we want to belong we want people to feel like they belong but we also want people to feel like they have room to grow to be that individual and of course as believers like who you are in Christ yeah yes who you are That's in Christ, good. and it's so a good. safe place to explore that. It's okay to question some things and push against so that you can grow.
0: So, and, and you said earlier, it's you love that reframing as, as mm-hmm. a positive thing, a natural process, right. right? And we'll come back, don't let me forget to come back to the nature showing us this process, but... Um, so so it's but it's not this negative thing it's this positive thing positive. right and let's don't be afraid of it
1: right. um well and I think depending to, on how you frame it to jump in <laughs> yeah. here too
2: like that i think that's one of the the fears that we have and that's been cultivated about deconstruction is you think about just kind of the 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 typical story or maybe the characterized story of someone who deconstructs. It's like someone who leaves the faith to go and party and live life of sin Mm -hmm, and do all mm -hmm. these things. And that's not what really happens. Like people who I walk with who have deconstructed, it's a painful process of letting go of your foundation being shaken of the things you have thought that you that you thought were true and that were core and that were so strong are now becoming like sand and you're like wait this is slipping through my fingers and that is like a grief process mm-hmm. so it's not these it, i think that's the fear of the, the social fear is that people will just think that whenever you're a heretic or whatever that you're just going off and you know and doing whatever you want cuz i'm out from under the rules now sure but in reality it's like no wait these core things that have been so important to me for so long are now are they even important to me anymore like yeah. what does it even mean
0: we we yes i'm so glad you brought that up the, the w- 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 my parents would always basically frame this smug yeah. atheist who's into science and too intellectual to yeah. believe in that foolishness, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead Ooh. of somebody like me who's like really sad and grieving, maybe the loss of some dearly held beliefs, yeah. maybe some community and maybe even some family. Yeah. I mean, because of some things that I'm doubting or questioning. And it's a sadness. And 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 to even dare you say, you know, start to skirt <coughs> that line of do I even believe? Like, am I about to throw out the baby with the? Do I believe in a God anymore? Yeah. And but if I and if I do believe in God, but it's different. And you know, it's the big three monothe- monotheistic religions. You know, do I am I am I going to embrace mine or am I going to switch? Am I mm. you know? It's but it's not this defiance. Mm. It's this. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. I think that's the deal. So with one point I want to make is um, with deconstruction, I think we felt like we were getting brownie points in faith. The more I believe, Mm -hmm. then the stronger the Christian, the stronger the faith, and the more proud of me God is. Mm -hmm. And the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certitude. The opposite of faith is being certain. So faith, and I want to say that again, the opposite of faith is not doubt. So we think, well, if he doubts, you don't have faith. No, certitude, being certain. I know it. We feel like we are getting brownie points with God because I believe something strongly. It's like, if you think about what the, so you're saying you agree with something, but in your actions, it's kind of betraying you. It's giving you away. We, We know that you don't believe all the way, right? Like I said, that level of, uh, disbelief that we see, that we see going on. But when I found out that, that the first century Jewish rabbis would see certitude, like, what is that? Faith was, was certainty and uncertainty. It was believing and doubt. It was this boat. It was this tension, right? And it was wrestling with things, not just going carte blanche. I'm all in. Yeah. And that sounds so scary for us mm-hmm. because of all the things that you named.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just thought of. I was listening to a teacher talk about uh, the the story of Jesus in the wilderness after he had been baptized and he's getting tempted by Satan. And uh, what he said is he's read a lot of scholars who believe that that was an internal battle. It was. A, it was a battle because Jesus calls Satan the father of lies and lies, you know, are in your head, like Mm -hmm. battling that spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. in your head that's happening. And so if you look at that, that is a battle of doubt, doubting who God has said that he is. So if we are demonizing doubt, then we are saying that Jesus was heretical in the way that he processed through that, that deal. Right. And we always go back to Jesus as the archetype, right? Like Mm -hmm. if he is showing these, this mental battle that is the essence of doubt, like the 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 definition of doubt, then it's something that we shouldn't run from, but we should almost embrace and yes. be curious about, and in, right. in a sense. So I just think that's like that's that was a powerful picture for me because you know I've always pictured it as as this personalization of of Satan right beside Jesus <laughs> speaking in his ear and a lot of scholars will say that that was a mental battle mm-hmm. that we all face right yes. like we all face am I good enough am can I really be God's son is he really going to protect me and provide for me like all of these really core things that we struggle with at a at a really baseline level is what Jesus was struggling with there.
0: And so if I hear you correctly, not only is that amazing, whoever brought that point out, that's that's the scholarly you know, brilliance that mm-hmm. we had never thought about or mm-hmm. I had never been taught, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but am I hearing there was personification being used, that maybe that didn't a- happen literally, that that was all this literary device showing you what Jesus... Well, I just think the thinking, idea is or... that like, Satan is
2: personified <laughs> there. Okay. And, and, rea- and, and what a lot of scholars think, based on the way that Jesus taught about Satan, mm-hmm. was that it was a mental battle in his head for... Because we, cause there are lies and truths inside of all of us. And faith, a lot of times, is believing the truth over the lies. Yeah. And what I mean I think one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus is it gives us a framework for what we what to what voice we can believe over the other yeah. one <laughs> because if we are if we have no moral compass, then how do we know which one to believe? And it's so, funny,
0: if I brought up, and just if you think of reality practically, uh, dealing with sin, yeah. all the really helpful, important, significant things about faith, mm-hmm. if I bring up the enemy that is inside us, the mm-hmm. enemy that comes against anything good, the enemy, but if I say that there's not a real red devil with horns and a pitchfork, I mean, nobody believes that that mm-hmm. guy's like walking around, mm-hmm. right? But... But if I say that he exists only this certain way, some people get really, really mad and upset. Mm-hmm. And they want to say, well, he did exist, or he he does exist, and he mm-hmm. takes different forms. And But it's funny. So he couldn't take a form in our heart or in our mind? Yes. Um, or as this, again, we have to personify him. Mm-hmm. I'm just using that as one example of how this slippery slope and how this conversation can get really, really angry. I want to keep this at that level. Yeah. I, can we just have a conversation where... I can say, and I think I interrupted myself earlier, which is, but <laughs> I can say, I don't know. Right. My favorite three words can become, I don't know. Yeah. And I can admit mm. to saying, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. searching, I'm discovering, yes. I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to discover the truth about God, mm. but I'm not certain. Yeah, Man, right. and if yeah. we can see that even, even I, okay. I what somebody here, that certitude is not faith. Yeah. That, that was the opposite of faith, <laughs> right? So if you have a, a knowing and an unknowing, that's that contemplative, right? That's mm-hmm. that liminal space of the, the I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's faith. And now you're yeah. being honest, and that's something God can work with. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that's why
3: I say about if we, the beautiful point about that is that that's when you start allowing God to be God in your life. Ooh, because mom. outside of that, you're in control. If you look at Jesus, the beautiful part that Ross just said as well, was that we look at Jesus as the architectural part of you know, that's where we follow him, mm-hmm. right? And if you look throughout scriptures, what did he do? Jesus was doing things that no one else were doing at that time. That's mm-hmm. a man that's been sitting there or laying for 30 some years. He walks over and raises him up. Okay. What? What Can you imagine if someone started doing that now? <laughs> what we would be doing and yeah. hearing and yeah. gravitating to? So. The fact that I say I don't know, I'm literally giving God that place in my heart and mind to be God. Yeah. The the, the, the boy that was born blind in the New Testament and someone asked the question, did his mother sin or did he sin? And the the, the, the scripture uh, talks about how Jesus says no one is sinned but it's for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So some things happen in our lives for him just to get the glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we can't pinpoint when it is what I did what happened because to your point what happens when you do everything right and <laughs> life still happens that's right Yeah, that's a time for Christ and God to be God in your life so yeah. I actually kind of put it in a nice way Brian <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I say I don't sure. know I tell people some of right. my some of the sessions that come across they'll ask me if there's a situation where there's a a marriage that's in trouble and the person is coming and they want their marriage to be back what it was. And they asked me the question, I need you to tell me, is it going to be better? Right. And in that moment, I don't know why, because there's two people that's got to choose for it to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in that moment, I can't say because I don't know as we walk through who's going to make that decision. So what I say now, Brian, as I tell mm-hmm. them, I say, I don't know but i promise you one thing the healing place is here to walk through it with you yeah i promise you I mean, and so the church now to me i feel like in that i don't know the only posture or place we can take is hey we don't know but we're going to be here to walk it through with you okay.
0: because of thank you yeah. gosh. because of science and mm-hmm. netflix like i people mm-hmm. say hey i know too much i can't believe that anymore Right, wow. we're seeing the documentaries. We're listening to podcasts. Um, we're 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 reading the books. We're we're watching, you know, the latest and the greatest. And so people feel foolish. They, like I I know this. I've been confronted with this truth, right? And so I feel foolish for still believing. And like and here we have the forty seven percent, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 dropping. So you asked me on the break, it's like, so what's this new framework? So if, you, right. if you've if you been confronted with the truth, and I'm gonna come mm-hmm. back to a little, mm-hmm. a tiny example, okay, so, um, but if you're confronted with this truth and you say, I don't, I can't believe this anymore, so what do you believe? Where's the new framework on which you can still believe that the Bible's inspired, mm. even though you know we have copies of copies of copies and there were tons of discrepancies, <laughs> right? Did you find out that the last 12 verses of Mark were written in half a century later? Can you... Does that invalidate the whole... Oh, oh that's bad. Can, does that invalidate <laughs> the yeah. whole thing, right? Right. right. Um, uh, so... so I believe for me I found a new framework on which I can believe in God. I can believe in yes. the Bible. It's so many people that do you believe in the Bible? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, do I believe it exists? <laughs> right,
1: right. Right? It is. He's right. like,
0: I mean, well, no, what it says about what? Which part? Right. I mean, there's again, that's let's think about it and let's let's dive in. So, quick, hopefully tiny example <laughs> just what I'm talking about. So, so back when, I mean, this is years and years ago, probably 1989 or 90, okay, I just married, and I saw this conference that was coming to, at the time we lived in uh, Ulis, I think, um, either Ulis or Carrollton, but anyway, there's this conference coming to this church that I'd never heard of, but I heard that the conference was coming, and it was this guy named Gary DeMars was going to be teaching. And you can look him up, and as far as his credentials, but that we're talking about a scholar, scholar. And he wrote a book called "Last Days Madness." Last days, are we in the last days? You know, in Revelation and end times and all. You know, Left Behind, all the stuff that I was hearing about the last days back in that time. And I thought, you know what, this guy is going to be teaching about how we're all going to get microchipped, and the barcode is the mark of the beast, and six six six, and and I'm I'm thinking, you know. I'm going to go rip this guy apart, you know, I'm going to go to this conference and hear this guy (laughs) talking about this ridiculous, sensationalized stuff. He actually did the complete opposite. I sat in this church for eight hours and heard him desensationalize the last days and he, I mean, it was covenant eschatology. It was the last days of the first covenant, right? And, and so it's a long, long story. But one of the things that I was taught this day, we sat there for eight hours and looked at Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. This was primarily... And if you, if you listen to what Mark... I mean, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, it's called the Olivet Discourse. On the Mount of Olives, these, this question the followers of Jesus asked him about the destruction of the temple and when this was going to happen. And Jesus said, the day and the hour is unknown, but here's some warning signs, pay attention, don't be caught here, don't do this. And he basically taught how, and if you look, so the scholarly name is the Olivet Discourse, right? Half of Matthew 24, half of Mark 13, half of Luke 21, all scholars would agree he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in 8070 and the tearing down of the temple. So, this, this huge day that I was never taught in my fundamentalist upbringing that 8070 was this huge moment in all of history, right? Well, then, if you look on any like NIV study Bible or some commentary, it will say, but if you look, the second half, some believe is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, and some believe he's talking about the end of the world. The the disciples never asked about, and Jesus wasn't talking about. So Gary DeMars' point in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, he's like, this is not talking about the end of the world or some quote second coming, the parousia in Greek. He was saying, this is something we made up in the last 300 years. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? The second coming? And, And so again, the tiny example, and I'll just kind of really try to boil it down. But this was like, well, wait, wait, if Jesus isn't coming back, see, I'd assign all this meaning to what these passages meant, and he was showing me, and I'm talking about a detailed Bible study that, hear me, I was convinced he wasn't, he was talking about So 70. So what is that, where did that leave me? Did I say, I don't believe the Bible anymore? No, I had to look and say, wait, 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 the Bible says something different than what I thought it said. And so let me figure that out, right? And so that's just one example. By the way, the gospel of John doesn't have an Olivet Discourse in it. You heard me mention Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Revelation, written by John, he believes, is the parallel passage to those three that is the Olivet Discourse. So revelation is not something about that's going to happen in our future. Revelation already happened. And we've had other teachers, scholars, who show the first century uh, parallels to... It's what John was saying. Wink, wink. I'll get beheaded if I say this out loud, Mm -hmm. but here's, pay attention. He who has ears let him hear, here's what I'm talking about and he's ripping near on Caesar or what have you, right? City on seven hills. Everybody knew what he was talking about, but he didn't come out and say it. And we're looking for some number scheme or symbolism for something that's gonna be 2,000 years and counting in the future. So he blew that away for me. So can I still be a Christian? Can I be a believer, still hold the Bible as sacred, right? And meaningful and inspired, but yet not believe that he was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ in Matthew 24. So that's one tiny example. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. And here's the deal. Too many people have seen that conference, right? Read this book, um, been listening to the podcast, right? And they just throw it all out. I just see it and I'm hearing it all the time. They just throw it out. It's like, and, and I, I'm more excited about this. I'm having 20-somethings who grew up in, in the church. They went off to college. They had their philosophy course, and they're hearing some science and Netflix, and they're going, well, wait a minute. And they're they're questioning things. And I'm like, great question. Not angrily shutting them down, right? telling them, oh no, oh no, worried about their soul or worried that they're going to become an atheist or quit our church, right? It's like, Man, they're human beings. They're being honest. Let's jump in and and do this journey along with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just watching. They're flocking to this, mm-hmm. and so I, I just want to submit: you can have a vibrant relationship with the Bible and with your with your faith, and it can be more exciting than ever when you when you learn to allow things to challenge what you were taught. Yes. Don't feel like a fool. You did the best you could, mm-hmm. right? don't double down on having to be right. Why? Why? Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really, really cool when we can get to that place and, and just say... So at the risk of being controversial, I wanted to give a couple other examples. So in my journey, so there was Gary DeMars, you know, in this teaching that I found, when the book Love Wins came out, so Rob Bell is this, basically a celebrity pastor in the evangelical world because mm-hmm. of his church that was blowing up and his creative way of delivering sermons and, message, and messages and you know, NUMA videos and all that. Well, he wrote this book, Love Wins, basically asking a lot of questions. And of course, people say, well, you're not just asking the question, you're trying to make the point. And, and you're, he was written off. You're a universalist. You don't believe that God's you know, sending anybody to hell. And he got ripped for this book. Again, if you're honest, Love Wins was just asking a ton, a lot of questions that we were all asking, and he just had the guts to to ask them out loud, okay? So, and I won't even go into, if you want to know, is Rob Bell a scholar? Well, go look at the scholars that he researches with and consults, right, and he hangs out with. Well, he wrote a, another book called What is the Bible? And if you haven't read, again, at the risk of being controversial, if you haven't read What is the Bible?, I highly recommend going to read What is the Bible, right? So is is Rob Bell the scholar, scholar? Is he right? Is the book inspired? You could say no to all those things if you want, right? Do you have to believe everything that he writes in What is the Bible? If nothing else, it'll help you on your journey to go, can I believe that the Bible was written and inspired and has meaning, but maybe not to be taken literal. If nothing else, right? You'll see that the the least helpful meaning sometimes is the literal meaning, and that's not what God was getting at, okay? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Any response mm-hmm. to any of that? I know that was a lot. I said I was going to try to do it in a hurry, but... <laughs> so what does that bring up in you guys?
2: Yeah, I I, I have a, someone that I've met with before who I I just... It makes me think of, Brian, what the story you told... And, um she had read a book, and it really started shaking her faith, mm-hmm. and it was a science based book and she was like, "I just don't know how to handle this like it makes me question the afterlife and all of these things, and da 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 and we started having this conversation, and she started talking about how um you know she feels like that uh." it's hard for her to pray. And that prayer has been something that's been really important to her and has been supportive and comforting and given her peace in times that have been hard because I had walked, we had walked through a lot together, um, previous to that. And so it was almost like because she started questioning these other things, she had to give up prayer too. And my question was, well, why? it's still something that's important to you. You still believe that God uses it in your life just because there's these other things that have been been shaken up. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that this has to go too. This is classic throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's classic slippery slope type thing. And so that's what I would encourage people who are listening. If there's this one area that's causing you some mental grief and frustration, that doesn't mean that all these other things that have worked for you or been beneficial in your life just automatically have to be let go of or, or thrown out. Yeah. Another example, I was talking to a guy who he was in a very evangelical reformed church that stopped working for him. He, he deconstructed, um, and, and he was trying to, he he's in the process of trying to, how to, trying to figure out how to rediscover how to relate to God. And it's hard for him to integrate any of the old things that he was, old things that he was doing historically growing up and in his old church back into his faith life, like spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading, even like how to talk to God. And I just told him, what if you just try the things that have worked for you and see if they work now? And this is like the whole an open hand reimagining who God is to you. Cause that I mean it's in our relationships, right? Our marriages have to change. Mm-hmm. Like we have to we have to figure out how to relate to our wives and our husbands differently in different seasons. Parenting, you have to relate yep. to your kids differently in different seasons. Why would it be that there's one way to relate to God for your whole life? Mm-hmm. That's good. It's got yeah. it's got to change and yep. move. Okay. And so I think for some people when they feel like that that and this is this is one critique that I'll have of deconstruction. I do think that there is some confirmation bias or some groupthink in the sense that now that it is so out in the open, especially for my generation who is very swayed by social media, what they hear, just because there's so much of it now, um, I do think that people are like, okay, now I can just jump over into this camp because it's been opened. That opening's been there. Now I can jump over there instead of... Like actually doing the work to wrestle with the things that you're feeling, um, and the things that you're going through. But but I do think that uh, that yeah, like we can we can begin to there not we don't have to throw out everything just because we have this one experience with this one. Right.
0: It's it's so interesting the confirmation bias. How that comes into play. So when I'm listening to, let's just use two podcasts again as example, um, the Liturgist podcast and the Unravel. Right, there's two podcasts. Brady Tubes is one, and then these, the Liturgist, uh, the group of folks, you know, Gunger and Science Mike and and uh, Hillary McBride. Oh my gosh, brilliant mm-hmm. Hillary McBride, Doctor Hillary McBride. But so they have people they talk about deconstruction all the time, and they Mm -hmm. have been, and it was this thing that I'm finding online, it's like, okay, there is a conversation going on about, you know, things that I'm wrestling with, and I'm not the only one, and I'm not, you know, but it was this, again, it was not in public, right, and it wasn't talked about, especially not in your church, Um, so, but there are people who are, have gone through deconstruction who have become unbelievers, non-believers, atheists, if you will. Um, they believe in one less God, they would say. <laughs> we believe we don't believe in 999, but they just believe in one less than we do. But anyway, so... Um, and then there's people who believe. They found the new framework and have reconstructed a very workable faith. And it, in both the Unravel podcast and the Liturgist as, two, as examples, when I go listen to those I'm trying to find the people who still believe. Mm-hmm. Some people are listening for the one, see there, see, he doesn't believe mm-hmm. anymore. I'm going to be like that. And it's like, why? Well, the obvious thing is some people who have been hurt by church. Mm-hmm. They've been abused yes. by religion,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and they're out, and they're mm-hmm. looking for reasons yeah. to, to doubt and to question and to throw it all out yeah, and throw right. it all away. Yeah. And that would be the easy one. So most people, this book by John Loftus who wrote he, Why I Became an Atheist, I was digging through the very first part. Ah, see there? He was burned by church. That's it. That's it. That's it. And he goes overboard to basically explain that 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 wasn't it. Like, that's that's not it. And so it's... But to me... I always saw, like, okay, you wouldn't have introduced this whole thing and gone so hard overboard to try to explain that's not why you're not a believer anymore if that wasn't really it, mm-hmm. right? So I have this suspicion that most of us who want to throw it out, and we're looking for that, and we're looking to connect with that community of conversation, if you will, mm-hmm. we've been burned, we've been hurt, and we have some cynical edge because... Uh, you know, that's that's what happened to us. That was our experience. And so we want to invalidate the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So my deal is, if you are finding yourself in the middle of deconstruction, right, um, be very careful when you read the books or you listen to the podcast. Just honestly spend time with people who don't believe. But make sure you spend time with people who still believe that there's a God and that there yeah. is an inspired word of God that we have that can help our lives.
2: Well, and I'd say safe Absolutely. people who aren't going to because what I've experienced personally and with others is that this is a this is a sensitive conversation. And I think Brian, what you said is people feeling foolish. Like that is a at the core, I think that's what a lot of people feel and their defense mechanism is certitude mm-hmm. or even anger, frustration. Mm-hmm. But make sure you're sitting with someone who can who can still love you through this process and walk through with you through the process. That's what we need more of. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, I just think we need more people who can say, hey, it's okay that you're asking these questions. It doesn't, It it isn't, you aren't damned to hell or you're not... Right you know, falling off the wagon. You're not falling, like, it's okay that you're asking these questions. And to Glenna's point, it's, it's part of it, you know, it's like, it's natural. So I think like, if you're in that process, make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who aren't, um, you know, shutting down that part of you.
0: It's a great, Mm -hmm. great way to end, man. That's powerful. Perfect. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yes. As soon as those eyebrows raise and the anger <laughs> starts and somebody says, I know for certain, that's mm. when you're like, okay, all right, mm. let's talk about something else. Conversation mm. over. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about last chance you or something. <laughs> all right, guys. Stuff. Hey, right. love y'all. Appreciate being you know on the brother. journey love with love you. you. Love y'all. Yeah. you okay. So I hope you've enjoyed our conversations. Remember to like, share, follow, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And if you ever want to talk to someone in the healing place, We're here for you. Please pick up the phone and call, email, or find us on crosstimberschurch.org, The Healing Place, or find us on our Facebook page, The Healing Place Group.